Before we jump in, just want to make sure you're signed up for the free In the Money Horse Players newsletter. This is the best way to stay on top of all our great content for the Kentucky Derby and beyond. We have exclusive promotions and content, so it's really a no-brainer. Get signed up over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com slash email. Remember, it's free. InTheMoneyPodcast.com slash email. Welcome to this week's episode of In The Money Players Podcast. I am not PTF. I am Spencer Lugabiel, guest hosting from a man who is over in the bluegrass getting ready for this week's Kentucky Derby shenanigans. Overall today, we're going to have an awesome show. We have special guests covering the Woodbine at Late Pick 4, that being Jessica Paquette. We have the Lone Star Late Pick 4 with John Pinder. We have a Belmont Late Pick 5 with Curse Magic Calloward. And we also have Tyler Fosto covering the Golden Hour Late pick four along with some Kentucky Derby picks and much much more today's show also brought to you by our friends at Adelphi Racing Club this is not just an ownership group it's a true community of racing fans the founding partners of Adelphi have learned from their experiences and other partnerships they want to bring you the benefits of solo ownership without the hassles and the thrill of partnerships It's a very interactive experience as well with one-to-one access to members of the team and a sustainable approach looking to make purchases in the 75 to 150,000 range, offering partners a chance to compete at the highest levels and doing so in a financially responsible manner, allowing for long-term participation. There are limited shares left in a couple of really exciting two-year-olds. There's a New York Colt, a New York bread Colt by Lauban, the Red Hot Sire, Gem Mint Tin. This horse has already shipped to trainer Ray Handel at Belmont. Colt doing really well, looking to debut soon. And there's also some limited shares left in Magistrate, the Taprit Colt we've talked about on these airwaves, currently at the Kinsman Farm in Ocala, headed to Christophe Clement soon. Join the club. Lots of ways to get in touch with us. You can check them all out at AdelphiRacing.com. You can email Matt at AdelphiRacing.com or Check us out on social media at Adelphi underscore racing or Twitter at Adelphi club. I'm not just reading ads for Adelphi racing club. I'm also a member really like the work they're doing for more Adelphi racing.com. And now I want to welcome in my next guest on the, in the money media players podcast. It's Jessica Paulette. We're going over the late pick four at Woodbine. Jessica, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm wonderful, just pulling double duty for Pete, whether it's working at Target and then rushing home for the podcast, and then I got to go back. So uh, excited to talk some racing on my little mini break here. I like it. Let's get right into it. It's a sol- it's a really interesting pick four sequence. I-, I like the fact that it had a bunch of maidens. We will start with a maiden race. Race number seven for Woodwine is a maiden claimer, 25 to 23,000, five and a half on the synth. What are we starting off in this race with, Jessica? This is the race I think you kind of just need to eat, eat a little chalk and move on. Uh, Invisible Friends seems obvious. Only three starts. Best effort came against Similar in for 25000 Back off the layoff last time. I think found the waters pretty deep in $40,000 company. Looks well meant here. I think the six will also be a short price. And for me, I just wouldn't want both on my ticket. Take a stand with one of them. Um, I, I think it really does boil down to, between the two of them. I think for me, just overall looking at this race, I obviously you said everything. Invisible Friend ended up in that race two back with a fast pace, was a little bit off, 
ended up with a 44 buyer. I like the fact that even though they lost in that last race off the layoff, improve the buyer part. And that's, I think, with maidens, you always want, want to see improvement in buyers because at least at that point, you know there's at least a step going at least forward and not going backwards. So for me, Invisible Friend will be an A for me. One that I also I think I want to use as a B, even though it's lost to weaker, was Bound Lucky. That new buyer par last time out just looks really good with that second. And I think that with such lower-rated favorites in this type of race, or not lower-rated, but just two favorites that are just so tightly contested, I want to use one that might be a little bit interesting. Two to one, I just think that maybe this one goes up with having so many races, but that 58 does kind of stick out to me. Yeah, for me at a certain point, I think a maiden has shown you who they are. You only get so many tries with me to get the job done. For you, is it just the one, uh, the two as an A for you? Yep, single single move on. Okay. Race number eight, a maiden claiming 40,000, five furlongs on the synth. How are we continuing this pick for here? I do think the one hillbilly logic may be a little bit over bet. Still going to use him. Uh, he just has so much speed and sometimes... A little bit of cheap speed goes a long way. The cutback to five furlongs, I think, suits him. My top selection is the number two, Blue Max. A little more value. He does have some upside. Maybe if someone like took a wrong turn, is able to hook Hillbilly Logic early, softens him up a little bit. Uh, Hillbilly Logic has shown at this point that he doesn't really respond well to pressure. You put a little heat on him, he'll probably cave it in. This one has had ample chances at this point, but he's done pretty little wrong. He needs the pace to collapse, but I think he's at least consistent. I think for me... Number two, Blue Max, just four for five in the class level. Usually you want to see less starts at a level. But in this being a late pick four, I just do want to include just on the off chance that this is finally the time he gets it done. I thought executive chairman in the last two races. Sometimes seven is just a really weird distance, just like five is. And he ran fine at six. I'm kind of hoping that we maybe see a little bit of reversal back to the opening start now we get blinkers on as well which i think sometimes can always wake up a horse so i kind of like the four executive chairman as a b as well and that's pretty much as far as i went so you're we're all about hillbilly logic uh blue max for me um and i'll use hillbilly logic as a b so on to race number nine another maiden forty thousand five and a half now on the synth where else are we going to go here in this three races of maidens now, this is a pretty wide open race as far as I'm concerned. And as a public handicapper, I will never advocate hitting the all button. My job is to have an opinion. Um, and I think hitting the all button, it, well, it can be a good strategic method if you're making a ticket. For me, my job is to have an opinion. So I'm going to make an opinion here. Um, number one, Blue Waters, the Dan Broker maiden in her debut. So there at least is a little precocity in the pedigree. Number seven, Society's Thunder. The Dan was an eight-time winner, kind of an uninspiring broodmare, though, at this point. And this one's work tab has not exactly um, inspired a lot of confidence in me. I'm also going to use number two, Hardware Gap. I think this is a race you just need to go a little bit deep in. Number two, Hardware Gap. What were the other two? Uh, the one and the seven. One, two, and seven. I think for me, causes trouble coming in as a first-time starter. When you kind of look overall, there's so many first-time starters in this race. This is going to be the one that I use of all the first-time starters. I just like the last couple workouts. I think 48-1, bracing out of the gate's good. Obviously, any sub-minute for a five-for-long workout for me has always seemed to be good. And the fact that, you know, creative cause, 10% debut winners. But over the last five years, this trainer – Michael Mateen does strike with a 27% strike weight with a huge $6 ROI. I'm not going to let that beat me ever. For me, with all with having all the other firsters, I just think skills test to me just seems to be the one that I want. Just over the last two races, I know it's a higher class level, but I 
think having a couple of races under its belt, this is going to be the one I also definitely want to use here. So for me, it's his the four and the three as A's. And let's figure out how we're going to cap off this late pick four from Woodbine. Race number 10 is a allowance race five and a half on the synth. Always tough with these extra kind of conditions in there. How are we going to get paid, Jessica? I went with number four, Cardio Princess, uh, Japanese bread. That's kind of neat. Always neat to see them in North America. Clearly, they thought pretty highly of this horse last year after that maiden win. She went right to graded stakes competition on the turf, came back off the layoff in March. Obviously, something went awry that day, that day um, in the Natalma stakes. So I'm not going to hold that against her. The comeback effort in March was a little lackluster, but I do think the switch to synthetic is very interesting. Certainly, uh, at this point, it looks like a filly that could do anything. I'd be interested to see her on conventional dirt at some point as well. Uh, she's my top selection. I'm going to use also number three, Hard Edge, first try against winners. That's always appealing. I think sometimes you get a little momentum after a horse has broken the ice and has been super consistent. So I don't think the maiden win was a fluke at all. I think with Hard Edge, I always kind of call it just a light bulb angle. It's kind of like for just any in everyday life, you just kind of, you know, you go do, go do a job for your first day. And then it's like, oh, I know how to do it better the next day. And I feel like that one kind of woke up with that. The fact also, four straight improving races. I don't really call 64 to 66 improving, but going from 66 to 71 and all the way up to an 86. And to mention it's six and a half, which is always kind of a difficult distance. I'm excited to see this one cut back a little bit. The other one I also wanted to use was the number seven, Destinique. I think Martin Drexler always knows what he's kind of doing. And this one maybe doesn't fit all the way on figs against that maiden special weight winner. But I kind of trust here in Martin Drexler that off that last race with a solid third, they know where they want to place this one. And last but not least, also, how do I not use English Biscuit? Who doesn't like an English Biscuit? I think that the races two and three back were absolutely fine, obviously both winning. And I think the last time when you see it, it's just going to be a giant cut back. I think they don't really want to go super long with this one like they were trying. I think the cut back here will be quite interesting on the number eight English Biscuits. I do want to thank my special guest here real quick, Jessica Puffkett, for coming in and talking some Woodbine at late pick four. Before I let you go, Jessica, any thoughts real quick on the Derby before I let you go? I have lots of thoughts. Um, Barbara Road is my top selection. Uh, I think I think he's due for a breakthrough win. To me, this is a horse that's been knocking on the door and all season, and he could get it done at a big price. I also like the Japanese horse, Crown Pride. Just fascinated with the entire way this horse has been trained and looking up to this race. All in all, really good, very contentious race. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Today's show also brought to you by our good friends at Gainsway from top international bloodlines to rising stars on American soil. Gainsway's put together a stallion roster that is not only primed for future success, but currently making its mark on the track, led by Caraconti's undefeated rising star, Spenderella. Make sure to check out their entire roster for 2022 and see for yourself the power, passion, and performance of Gainsway. Now I'd like to welcome in my next special guest on this In The Money Media Players podcast. It's I, Listen, I couldn't be a host and do a podcast without this man. It's John Pender. John, how are you today? <laughs> I'm good, Mr. Luganville. How are you? Uh, listen, man, I, I'm hanging in there. Derby fever. So, of course, Pete makes us handicap Lone Star Park. I mean, you, you know how it is. We just got to <laughs> roll with the punches here. So uh, yes, sir. let's start it right off with race number seven from Lone Star Park. It's an optional 75,000 non-winners for two for a year, five furlongs on the turf. Man, what a condition, what a race. What did uh, what'd you like in this opening race here, John? I wasn't going to try and get too cute in the opening leg here, Spencer. Uh, I want to start off with uh, two A's, the first one being Excess Magic, uh, homebred for William 
T. Reed, he's a versatile four-year-old shipping in from Fairgrounds, but solid connections, and his his speed figures look to be the the best of the group. Um, I'm also going to include as an A Archidest. He is a Asmussen trained six-year-old, has an affinity for Lone Star Park. I like to see that a lifetime. So he's going to be coming from off the pace and should have every opportunity for a, a W in here as well. And then for a potential price at uh, as a B, Bob Brinkley. This horse has shown some ability on the turf, doesn't run in it all the time, but I do like the fact that he's going to be cutting back here from last time I think he ran a mile. So though that's it for me in this little expenser. One and eight for A's, and then seven as a B. This race was so difficult for me because I saw I see I see the opening horse obviously excess magic. I'm like, man, 93 slow pace, and he and he just ended up running a solid second. I'm gonna try to just beat this one with Archer Dust. I've handicapped this horse so many times, and I feel like I just kind of get the right idea with this one when I'm on him, he seems to win. When I'm off him, he seems to lose. I understand that the buyer figures aren't there. But I just wonder if maybe if you look at excess magic, the last time I ran 90, ran 72 next time. So maybe this one, obviously those races were both routing. Now we're sprinting. If this one wants to sprint, he probably wins this race. But let me give a shot with Arch Justice as a main single to try and open up and try and save some some money for later. Let's move on to race number eight from Lone Star Park. It's a state bred allowance. Not wearing a three life, five furlongs on the dirt. How we survive in this leg. Here, I think we only need two Spencers. I'm going to use both of them as A's, starting with the number four, Lucky Special. Um, homebred three-year-old gelding consistently runs fast time, uh, one last time going away in the uh, non-graded stakes race, the, the Groovy Stakes down in Houston, and uh, keeps jockey uh, Weston Hamilton aboard. I like to see um, when jockeys kind of stick with their with their horses and, and continue to run well. That's a super positive sign for me. Um, and then also the two, Silence Dioro. He's another fast coat that uh, dropped in class last time and finished a close second. So I'm hoping to see a similar performance today and they're keeping jockey Jose Alvarado on him. And he has a good connection with this horse. As you look back through the PPs, uh, when they get together, um, they, they do well, and, and this horse is much better at sprinting, so I want to give him a shot as well. So four and two for me in here, Spence. I kind of agree with you with the number two. I think that last time out when you see that allowance race going off the turf and we see a solid second like that, obviously has a win back in the groovy at Sam Houston for silence to Oro. I think this is one that I, I just have to include. I'm staying away from your four, though. I just don't like the fact that I see such bad layoff line numbers with this one, 5% and 21 starts. I just had to go a different spot with my golden M for Hector Estrivia. I just like this one, the fact that they've been in a couple uh, state bread stake races, had the couple allowance races, and just kept on improving each and every race. Obviously, I think that this one, last time out, having those slow fractions did hinder, but moved the buyer up a little bit up to a 74. So I like my golden M as my top pick here, the number seven. And I'm also going to include your number two, Silence Oro. As an A, let's move on to race number nine. It is a allowance, 7,500, five furlongs on the dirt is the starter allowance. How are we uh, getting through this third crux of a leg here? 
I think you just keep, if it's working, you keep going. I'm going to go with the numbers four and two again. Uh, not by happenstance. I do actually like the, the horses here. Uh, Lady Avi, I believe that's how it's pronounced. At first, I was like, maybe it's Avenue, but <laughs> <laughs> Lady Avi. Um, she ran just nine days ago and uh, state bred uh, restricted 80K stakes and, and didn't fare well. But Steve Asmussen's bringing her right back like nine days later. If she runs her race, I think that the rest is, is going to be for second and third. Um, if for any reason she doesn't fire, I also want to include the number two. This is a confirmed front runner, and she's been claimed in her last two spots. She was in Broberg's Bowen. She got claimed, and now she's back with Carl again. Um, a Louisiana bred that spent the majority of time down in uh, Delta and Louisa Anna Downs coming over to Texas for the first time. If you look back at some of her levels uh, from last year and now her form today, I want to give her a, a shot if uh, if Lady Avi doesn't fire. There was one thing in here, Spencer, that did catch my eye that I wanted to mention. It's not going to be in my pick unless we get rain. Um, you know, there's there's rain in the forecast for the big races up at Churchill. I did look at Lone Star in the uh, Grand Prairie area. It's not projected, but if we do for some chance, you never know, uh, the number seven, pick up the phone. I'm not in, in love with those morning line odds, but I think she'd have to be an include if um, if we get any rain. Last time she ran a huge race uh, and her speed figures just jumped. And the only thing I could attribute it to was the the off track. So just keep that in mind. Very, very nice for me. Just my imagination, the number two. I, I Like you said, first of all, very consistent. A lot of W's. I love the fact that this one's in and out of all the different barns. Trainers do not claim a horse unless, A, the horse is fit. If this horse is getting claimed back and forth by whoever, obviously this horse has no problems on the injury front. See, just seems to keep on winning. I love the price here at 7-2. to two. Lady Avi, Lady Av, either way, one of us is going to have to be right here with the <laughs> When you go back to the starter allowances farther down the card, Remington Park and Delta Downs, we see an 82 and a 55. Well, the fact that, like you had also mentioned, that Asmussen's bringing this horse right back, if we get the 82, she wins. If we get the 55, at least we have the two as a backup. And that's kind of just the way I looked at it. No one else in here really showed me anything that they want it's not a short field it's eight horses but i think just using the four and the two i'm definitely more of a preference to the two than the four in this leg right here let's see how we're going to get paid off here in race number 10 it is a as i lose all my stuff here it is a seven and a half turf sprint and one x allowance for state breads how do we get paid here john this one was a tough, Spencer. I, I couldn't find a horse that I was just going to potentially key on here. So I'm going to go with three A's in, in this leg. Um, starting with this number six, uh, she's the most logical contender, uh, very consistent in here. Her last two races were at a mile. So today she shortens up by like half of a furlong. And that could be what the doctor ordered to kind of cure that second-itis that she's got going on. So uh, six on top and then potentially um, – I wanted to throw in the five honor given has great late pace, but starts mm -hmm. super slow here. And I, I I'm hoping that the jockey change and a potential target um, would, would give her more of a chance. And then lastly, the three it's kind of a wild card for me. Uh, Diamonds and aces has never been on the turf, but 
she's always finishing her races and I, and I like to, to see that she's stretching out to five or I'm sorry, five and a half, seven and a half. And uh, with her pace figures and that tenacity at this level, I, I want to give her a chance to. So six, five, three for me, Spencer. I was getting really excited because I also have the six and the five. And I was like, if he says seven, then everyone else knows who else to play in this leg. I'll start off with the seven. You kind of already talked about the others. I think in this race, with it being an N1X, obviously the race last time out, you just crossed it out, wasn't on the turf for me. I think the race two back, being in a mile of 16th, 67 buyer. The, this one may want a route, but the fact that it's at seven and a half and, and the one bad race was at five, I'm willing to just take that the cutback might do well for this one. Those mid-60 buyers all seem to fit really well here with the buyer par as well. Definitely want to include that one. Miss B, Eichelberry, and Carl Broberg. I, I've had you on these shows enough when we talk Lone Star. If you're tossing guys like Broberg and Eichelberry, it has to be with a lot of respect. And if you toss them more often than not, you're going to lose. I think this one's slowly improving up the ladder. It's been a mile the last three times out. Now gets a slight cutback. Maybe, maybe that'll turn those twos into a one here. And I think honor given. Another one that you had said, deep closer, has been getting slow paces. Sometimes, like, when you can get a target and they keep getting these slow paces, they end up uh, maybe being a little bit closer. And if this one can be, I know there's 12 horses, but if this one can be mid-pack maybe and not just eight or ninth, I think this one has a really good shot. So, for me, we're going with the seven, the six, and the five, all as A's. I do want to thank my special guest, John Pinder, for coming on and talking some Lone Star Park. You know Pete's going to have us doing Lone Star Park programs sooner rather than later good, good to have you on my man thanks Spencer. i'm looking forward to it i actually well i didn't convince it just so happened that my daughter's going to school in uh, uh north texas uh, and it's maybe like 30 miles from from lone star so uh bring like, it on i like what you did there very very well <laughs> <laughs> well uh, we'll talk soon buddy all right take care Spencer. hey if you're not subscribed to in the money plus at this point what are you waiting for if you like what you get from In The Money, you got to join us over there, inthemoneypodcast.com slash plus. You'll get all of our premium content, just $15 per month. Very cost competitive. And if you join this week, you get all the Kentucky Derby extras and the Preakness. Speaking of the Derby, we're going to have picks grids from me, JK, Nick Tamaro, and more. We have a detailed wagering strategy for budgets of 250, 500, and 1,000. JK is going to have his exclusive podcast covering the pick five Saturday. Frank Scatoni going to be covering the pick four with his usual matrix approach and two exclusive podcasts covering the two day pick six and another focused entirely on the Kentucky Derby Superfecta. Seriously, all that and more, just 15 bucks. Subscribe at inthemoneypodcast.com slash plus. Once again, that URL in the money slash plus. And now let's welcome in my next guest to the In the Money Players podcast. He's really saved my bacon for this week. It is Curtis Magic Kelloward. How are you, my man? I'm great. Thanks, Spencer. It's great to hear from you. It's been uh, it's been a wild year. Just uh, uh, had my son turn one, so uh, that's over with, and had the great party. And now the Kentucky Derby is coming up, and Belmont. We can you know build a little bit of an extra bankroll too. So, of course, you know, with Kentucky Derby and everything, I had to ask somebody to uh, be the sacrificial goat to do the Belmont late pick five. So I'm glad you uh, glad you were able to do it. Let's get right started here with race number seven. It's a maiden special eight, six and a half on the dirt. How are we getting this uh, the party started? Uh, you know what? For me, the must use uh, my A horse is the three silken dollar. Uh, this is a debut horse. 
for a barn that's only had three, uh, uh, sorry, 26 starters so far this year, three winners, Richard Schausberg. But um, this is a daughter of Central Banker who's a foal to a gelding named Silver Seeker. He was three for four. He won on debut very impressively. I'm looking at the works for this horse. There's not a lot of bullets that jump out of me, Spencer, but the times are very nice. So, you know, you look back three on April 16th, you have a bullet gate, or I'm sorry, a breezing gate work uh, that was ninth best of 221 horses. Um, on the training track at Belmont, and then the next time, fourth best of 118. There's not bullets, but man, that is really good still for that sample size. Schausberg's 0 for 7 with first-time starters, and it's a, a lightly used jockey in the circuit, but um, I think that this horse is going to be sitting on a good a good debut effort here, and I think I'm going to catch a price because we've got Chad Brown with two in here, Bill Mott's got a horse in here, Todd Pletcher's got a horse that's debuting in here, uh, so I haven't seen the morning line yet. I don't know if it's out yet, uh, Spencer, but I really think the three Silken Dollars sitting on a big debut effort. So we got 15 to 1 on Silken Dollar. And this this is real real quick for me going over it. I think when you look overall at this entire race, I don't want any horses that I've ran. Give me all the first-time stars and just let let the racetrack figure it out. (laughs) Listen, I mean, don't overlook me. It's 3 to 1. Silken Dollar, 15 to 1. And then we also have Persicori, who is seven to two. So listen, I'm taking two horses that are paying over eight bucks plus an absolute gigantic bomb that I don't think anyone else is going to have on their card. To me, that's kind of just trying to find the right value there. Was there anyone else other than the three that you liked, or are we just sticking with the three and moving on? You know, I, th- I think that if, I'm sure you're probably getting another price here, too, on the eight. Everyone loves Linda. Of the experienced horses, I think that this one probably stands the best, uh, a good chance, uh, could possibly go gate to wire. With with not seeing how the, the new horses have run, the other ones haven't shown a lot of early gate speed. And you look at uh, three back at Belmont over this exact course and distance with Manny Franco in the irons, 22 and a half, 46 and one. I don't see anyone on this page that has experience who's going to chase her or press her, so... You know, she's going to be third off the layoff, which is a good angle here. Eric Kinsell is, is a great jockey. Uh, doesn't ride for Ed Barker that often, but uh, I think she's a good gate-to-wire threat. I did want to use also the four-horse demands respect simply because uh, her two first two efforts were both in the mud. It seems like it's going to be faster at the last that I looked. So, uh, you know, I want to see this daughter of Union Rags catch a faster. I think Belmont could be a good track for her, too. She's a a bigger filly, kind of like her daddy. Um, she should like those wide turns. Uh, it, it, you know, the mud was an issue. Also, look who beat her in her last start. Kathleen O, who was my pick. I don't know about you, Spencer. That's my Kentucky Oaks pick. So if you lost on debut to th- or in second start to three horses who all won next out, and the winner was my Kentucky Oaks horse, I've got to give you respect. You are demanding my respect, and I am giving it to you here. Listen, and that's the kind of thing for me, uh, being a, more of a class handicapper, I look at those three horses. I look at the whole race in general, so I think that's a great angle there. And listen, you got some prices in there. The Linda horse, I believe, was 5-1. to one. I, I think overall, I think you got some really d- interesting prices there. Let's move on to race number eight. It is the grade two Fort Marcy, 101.8 miles on the inner turf course. See a lot of horses that I'm sure me and you have talked about many, many times on <laughs> my podcast or your podcast, uh, how we getting paid in the second leg. Boy, there's three Chad Brown horses in here. I'm going to use two of them. Uh, my top pick here, my 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 A is going to be the five Sacred Life. This horse is taking a big class drop. Two Emmys is, is a multiple gray stakes winner, beat domestic spending in the Mr. D stakes, formerly the Arlington Million. Uh, Chad Brown so far has got five horses in the money with two winners from seven starters at the Belmont meet. Um, 
Before that was in the Pegasus World Cup turf, facing Colonel Liam, who's now won that race two years in a row. So plenty of bat class here. And then before that, you know, just missed in the, in the Sea Biscuit, did win over this course and distance in the Knickerbocker. So I think Sacred Life is a great use here. Uh, Hector Diaz, I'm wondering what the betting is going to be like because with all of the A jockeys in Kentucky, mm-hmm. Brown's going to Diaz, and they're 37% together. I wonder how many people are going to look at this name and go, I don't know if I want to play him. But to me, if, if there's any horse you have to use, it's got to be the five. I always laugh. I think it, I forget what year it was, but Gallardo came up from Tampa. Everyone was away. It was the Breeders' Cup or I forget mm-hmm. what it was. And he started off 40%. And then I don't think he won a race the rest of the meet. And he ended up going back to Tampa. But no, I'm with you there. I like the t- fact that, you know, we still have that decent size sample size and a good ROI on Sacred Life. For me, the only one I didn't want to use out of the Chad Brown Quartet was going to be Rock Emperor. I just, for the rest of my life, this horse is always going to be auto-fade to me. I just <laughs> want a couple times. But, like, this is a horse that just doesn't want to re- Reminds me of Sadler's, Sadler Wells, something like that. Sadler's Joy. Sadler's Joy. That's yep. just pretty much what this horse reminds you of. For me, City Man, Christophe Clement, I've always been a Christophe fan. That 100 last time out just kind of doesn't look gigantic against everyone else in the field, but no one else really has a triple-digit buyer last time out. You know, Doswell has one, two back. Rock Emperor has one three back. So I just want to kind of use the horse that has that big buyer speed figure. Seems to be on the improve, second off the layoff. Maybe this one with Trevor McCarthy, who isn't off to the best start, but hopefully can uh, get another one in the win column here. You said everything about Sacred Life. This horse just uber, uber consistent. Hasn't in the last 10 starts, hasn't been below a 90. That's what I call a consistent grave stake type horse. Definitely want to use this one as part of the Chad Brown contingent. Give me Doswell with Barkley Tag and Kendrick Carmouche. Kendrick, another one off to a kind of a slow start, but the Fort Lauderdale, nice W, ends up running seventh by less than three lengths to Colonel Liam at 14 to one. For me, it's all about pricing that last race and how well he finished and not so much the, the spot that they finished in. Seventh sounds like it stinks, but when you're within three in a turf race, that's pretty damn good when I think about it. Uh, I ended up going too deep here, and I, I'm going to agree with you on your your city man. I think city man is also you know second off second H five. He, he's low in speed. He's definitely drawn inside here where he should get the lead uh, the, with the way that the course is set up. Uh, on the inner turf, it's going to be relatively quick to that first turn. So I think that uh, not only that, but he's a horse that was second in this race last year. So he runs well at Belmont. He's a New York bred, but he can definitely handle the open company. Um, and, and yeah, like you said, Trevor McCarthy, not the best start, but we know large sample size over the course of the meet. Trevor McCarthy can and will pick it back up. So uh, I like that play. Doswell's a horse that... Uh, I don't know. I can't get a read on him. I'm going to pass against him here because I don't know that I love him off the layoff, but he has a tendency to beat me. So if you do like Doswell, go with Spencer. Don't don't discount him like me. I, I He's one of those horses like Rock Emperor for a lot of people. I've always been, been against Rock Emperor. Uh, I, a lot of people can't get a read on him. For me, that's Doswell. Let's move on to race number nine from Belmont Park. It is an N1X allowance. Six furlongs staying on. Now we're going to the Widener turf course. How are we, uh, how are we getting through this crucial third leg here? You know, I, for me, I love the five Stony Point. I know that uh, she's going to be the favorite. She's morning line favorite, at least at five to two. Um, but, I, you know, this is, first of all, another horse that's drawn. Uh, there's two speed horses, I think. And for her, not only is she drawn inside of the speed, uh, the other speed, but she has the experience edge. You know, she won her debut and then was second facing winners. The other speed horse just beat Maiden. So 
She's stepping up to face winner. She's basically where Stony Point was last race, and you could very well see uh, see her get second. Um, and that's uh, sorry, Mac the PhD is who I'm talking about there. Uh, mm-hmm. For me, Stony Point uh, just with the experience edge over that the, the inside speed. Dylan Davis and Shug McGahee, I think, are going to team up and do very well here. You got the nice progression with the buyers. You would expect that it, uh, you know a low 80s buyer is probably going to be what takes to win this. And tell me why she can't get that 73 to 78 from start one to. To start two, you know, an 82-83 for her next start uh, for this finish here. Not another Roman possibility. So she is chalky, but I think she's definitely a use. I, I, I'm right there with you. I just, first of all, for people who don't know, like when you see that nice improvement, especially first time off of a maiden win, how many horses do we go through magic where we just see time after time after time, just horses go from a 73 to a 52. And then maybe four starts later, they get back up to that 78. So the fact that this one had all her own way that first start and still improved. I love this horse, Dylan Davis, off to another good start. For people who listen to Redboard Rewind, everyone knows how I was not the biggest fan of Dylan Davis until <laughs> until probably last year even. though so he's kind of coming into his own, Richard Migliori. You know, having that background with having his son, I believe, being his agent, just mm-hmm. gets a, a just wide, wide range of just knowledge of being a jockey for me, Stony Point. Another one for me, and now I'm looking through. I don't know if this one is scratching up. I thought Ange- Angelinka for Brad Cox coming over from France will be another one. I can't tell from looking through. It's on my PP, so almost if it's just wrong on what I'm looking at on Equibase. But if this one is still running, this one would also be a little bit of a use for me. Uh, not, it's more of just not trying to fade Brad, but just the fact that they're bringing this one over from France. This one might also be a little bit dangerous here in this type of race. Let's move on to race number 10, the grade three Westchester, one mile on the dirt. Hey, guess what? Greatest honors back. How do how do we feel about this one? Oh, I cannot wait to play against greatest honor again. I've played <laughs> against him so many times. I think it comes, it's a two horse race uh, between the two and the four for me. I'm using both of them. I think that the two sound money for Chad Brown's got a great chance to go gate to wire. Uh, the time form early pace figures say that that sound money stands out and is going to set the pace. Uh, really, no one else wants to get the lead here. And when you're doing that at a one turn mile at Belmont, it just seems like this could be very well be a carousel spot. Kendrick Carmouche has been in the saddle the last four starts. Uh, should be three wins. was a neck away from beating Zoomer two back. But the horse seems to be progressing. So I like the two. The four Cody's Wish uh, won three straight and then faced Scalding and just lost to Scalding in the Challenger Stakes at, at Tampa Bay Downs for Bill Mott's four-year-old son of Curlin. Should be improving with age second start at age four. So two four for me and, and get the heck out of this race. I, I, love the, I love the four just for this. Like for how many racing lines you look through and how many PPs you look through. I can't remember the last time I saw a horse with seven starts that had such a tight cluster of buyers between 92 and 87. Very I mean, consistent. Very consistent. So maybe this one, maybe we can just get a little bit of a bump up, like a 94 could get this one done. I think Zoomer is another one. Obviously, Linda Rice, second time off for this one as well. She's usually very good first time out, but I think second time out just as good. Gets the hot Dylan Davis aboard as well. But I'm going to go right back to your point. Sound money. If you play New York racing and you don't know who Kendrick Carmouche is, he likes to go to the lead and he likes to win on the lead. That's what they're going to do here. Chad and him together, 29%, $2.67 ROI year to date. They've only had one starter at Belmont, but just if I'm looking around the barn for a jockey and I have a speed horse, I'm looking for Kendrick first and foremost. Yeah, you could you could do a lot worse than that. And I just now looking at the prices, Spencer. It's eight to five for Sound Money and even money for Cody's Wish. I would single Sound Money. Don't use yeah. both of those. You got to take a stand there. <laughs> Let's move on to race number 11, a state-bred maiden claimer, six furlongs on the turf. That's how they always have to end these pick fives, which makes it always so dangerous. 
uh, how are we getting paid in this one? It's always, always, always how they end these. It's, it never fails. Love it because there's so much horse stock, so it's great that they can do that. Um, the, the top pick for me, the eight, Dixie Kitten. Uh, uh, taking a class drop from the main special weight New York Breads to the 40K here. Uh, getting a five-pound weight break with the bu- uh, Bug Jockey aboard. It's a daughter of Kitten's Joy. He was four years old. That You would think he would want to go two turns, but if you look, was never really a factor going two turns. Just cut it back to, to, to one turn. You're getting that five-pound weight allowance, the class drop. There's a lot of factors here for me, Spencer, that kind of work for it. So I like her here, but I think this is definitely a spread race, and, and there's you know the prices are very clustered together other than the rail horse. So kind of wherever you want to go is, you know, what, what did you think here? I think for me, Dixie Kitten definitely won that I, I have to use. Obviously, we have the Bug Rider, and I think a lot of people are sometimes scared to use Bug Riders for me. I like to see a little bit more speed out of them, but the fact that Jorge Abreu has, I think has just been using bug riders a lot more recently, obviously over two together. And also Jorge Abreu is on for the best start this year. We'll have to see where that goes. Everything else in this race, just to me, uh, let's say for some reason it, it does rain. I think a horse like lady Yellen with the back-to-back 44s could just be a little bit dangerous for Linda, but everything else outside of the MTOs, a lot of the first-time starters just don't have good first-time starter stats. I, this might be a spot where I just try and single Dixie Kit and just try and get out. It's a yeah, that's that's one way to do it. You can get through every other leg and just sit here and, and have a, the sweat of the lifetime against 40k uh, maiden claimers in Belmont Park. I do want to thank my special guest Chris Callaward, aka Magic, for coming on. Uh, obviously, you host another show, the Magic Mike Show. Uh, what do you guys got planned for Derby? And before I also let you go, just give me your uh, what your thoughts are on Derby real quick. Sure, yeah. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Happy to step in. When I got the message, I was like, hey, as long as the boss, the wife says it's okay, we're good. So, uh, yeah, very happy to, to come on and, and talk horse racing with you anytime. Um, as far as the Oaks, I told you Kathleen O is my pick. I think Echo Zulu is second off the layoff is getting disrespected. She's undefeated. She could be lone speed. Look out for Echo Zulu. Um, if she gets loose, watch out for her. As far as the Derby, for me, I've been an Epicenter fan since he won the Gunrunner Stakes in December. Um, that said... I think it comes down to Taba, Messier, or Epicenter in that order. Um, if we get anything close to 12 to 1 on Taba, it'll be a miracle. I, the morning line didn't make that much sense to me, but if you're going to give that to me, um, I'm going to go ahead and take that. And then, yeah, over at uh, youtube.com slash racing dudes. We've really beefed up the amount of uh, content we've put out uh, for the Kentucky Derby. We've got pace analysis from Saratoga Slim. He won the Ron Rippey Award, which is a National Handicapping Award, for his analysis of the Kentucky Derby pace in the past. The guy knows what he's talking about, so go check that out. He's got a great slideshow. It's a lot of fun. But, yeah, the racing dudes were a lot of fun. If you don't know us, we're just all about getting drunk, having fun, betting the ponies, and, and you know, j- just having a good time, Spencer. That's what we're all about, including being on this show with you, buddy. All, all in that order. Thank you so much, my man, for coming on. We'll, uh, we'll be talking soon, all right? Sounds good. Good luck at the Derby, buddy. Just a reminder that May 7th isn't just Derby Day. It's Monmouth Park opening day, and what a meet it's going to be. The crop rule, it's been updated. Crops are allowed, now consistent with the HISA rule. That's good news for horse players. Going to be live racing Saturday and Sunday in May on June 3rd. They go Friday through Sunday. Opening day this Saturday, special 2 p.m. post time. 12.15 every weekend, 2 p.m. on Fridays. Huge contest coming up on June 4th. Circle that date. That's the $2,000 pick your prize. I'll be there. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. Also, just note, for on-site customers, for now, Big Stodds Wagering's here. More about that elsewhere. And we're still going to be doing a lot to promote Monmouth Park's win early, 
50 cent pick five, the nation's earliest pick five. Uh, win early, win often with Monmouth, Monmouth Parks. Win early, 50 cent pick five. Go to monmouthpark.com to learn more. I mentioned in the Monmouth ad we just read about fixed odds coming to Monmouth Park starting on opening day. Monmouth Park, New Jersey's seaside jewel of a racetrack. Great place to watch America's most famous race this Saturday while enjoying a great card of live racing as well. And for the first time in over a century, fixed odds betting powered by betmakers will be available on track at Monmouth. And soon it will be available throughout the state. This is an exciting new way to bet that really puts the power to get value in your hands. Something we're always talking about on these shows because the odds you bet are the odds you get. Going to be hearing a lot more about fixed odds betting opportunities across the In The Money Media Network. I know it's welcome in my next special guest on the In The Money Players podcast, Tyler Frosto. Tyler, how are you today? Doing well on yourself, Spencer? I'm hanging in there. Glad to have you finally aboard uh, this show. I, I've always been interested in seeing your stuff on social media, so glad we could finally get together and uh, talk about this wonderful golden hour late pick four for this Saturday, going over Santa Anita and uh, Golden Gate. And also, we're going to talk a little bit about Derby and about some contests going on. Absolutely. Sounds great to me. Let's uh, start off with race at number nine from Santa Anita is an optional 100K and one X going about six and a half down the hill at Santa Anita. What are we kind of liking here, Tyler? I think the horse that is the one to beat here is Connie Sw Swingle. Obviously, hasn't been on the turf before, hasn't been down the hill, which is also a very unique course itself. But I definitely think this horse, although it's been bet out as a favorite every time, second time off the layoff, uh, the pedigree of this horse should take well to the turf. And first time Lasix, just everything together, along with Phil D'Amato and Kyle Frey, should be the, I don't want to say lock, but should be the one to beat, let's say. This is the one that I was having the most trouble with. And I, I ended up overall going three deep in this leg. And I was like, either going less than three deep and including Connie Swingle, or you're just going to avoid her and hope you're right. And so I decided to avoid, I thought the number two, she's bulletproof was a little bit interesting with that race uh, two back going six. And obviously in the last race, they, they now have a race down the hill. I think they probably understand what to do a little bit better this time as well. Obviously with Connie Swingle, the buyers are there, but we haven't seen her on the turf yet so much. I thought the number seven gem mine as well was also interesting. Slowly improving had as well gone down the hill last time out with a nice fourth by finishing by less than two lengths at 30 to one. Not saying we're going to get that price today, but just one that I thought was very interesting. And also Jeff Mullins brings over a second time in the U.S., a uh, Irish bread. Listen, Jeff Mullins on turf sprints, 25%, almost a $3 ROI. I can't see anything going wrong there. Yeah, I uh, like I said, that was my horse to beat. But I did look at Jem's mind, didn't mm -hmm. really take too much to it. I do respect you for going with the horses that have gone down the hill before because we both know it's a very unique, very tough course to kind of maneuver and uh, master in a way. But I did go against that in a way. Uh, I went with the, as my like BC horses, mm -hmm. the eight, Countless Rosina, I was also looking at with Jeff Mullins. And I thought uh, number nine, 16 arches is a big question mark because who really knows? They ran this horse in a graded three and a grade three stakes here uh against uh what was that cairo memories mm -hmm. and maybe they're just trying the horse out seeing where it fits and who knows what this horse can do down the hill especially outside post is always seems to be advantageous down the hill as well i, I think that's the key part is just finding the stuff that works down the hill I, I feel like so many people you know they look at class they look at speed figures i think that i was so upset when the hill went away for a little bit because 
the hill is just the hill. It's it's almost like you can't handicap before, except for looking at specific stuff, like you said, having the outside post. Have they gone down before? How have they done? I agree 100%. Um, my favorite thing on down the hill is Mike Pipey. Mike Pipey is one of my favorite trainers. And down the hill, I mean, this last Sunday, it proved to be well for me, what, Bella D. I could almost never exclude him when going down the hill. I call him King of the Hill jokingly, but in all the same way, he does very well. I like that. I like that. Let's move on to race number nine. Now we're going to the Golden Gate Field, a N1X allowance, six furlongs on the synth, trying every single possible surface you can think of today. Uh, where are we going in this race, Tyler? Again, I'll load up on the bound to be the favorite. Becca Taylor, this horse has back class like no other. This, I mean, ungraded stakes left and right. And this horse has ran on synthetic before back in, what was that, January 29th at Golden Gate. Five and a half furlongs on this synthetic. This horse went away uh, four lengths won by. So, I mean, that would be the one to beat in this race. But I also did include Damn the Torpedoes as well with Brian Pena. Um, it's going back to probably what it likes a little bit better, and that's the synthetic and the sprints. Uh, the last race it ran was on the turf route, and it didn't seem to really bear very well for it. Squeeze start made a maybe hurt very well, but... I'll put those two in as my top choices, the eight and the nine. I also peaked a little bit at the three and the four a little bit. Those were some question marks that I was unsure of, and I might include in a bigger ticket, mm -hmm. uh, my legal bet and Legatha. So, I mean, Reed France over there just does very well, but I'm going to stick with that for right now. The, the eight and the nine will be in all my tickets for sure. That's kind of where I ended up was with uh, Legartha, and I just kind of feel overall has already won at this level which I think is something that you find very interesting when you're looking over these on one X allowances. And I feel that for me, I want to, I just want horses that do well over synthetic. I'm not the best synthetic handicapper to begin with. So when people are, you know, how you are like having a horse that's maybe only had the synthetic once or twice for me, <clears throat> I feel that I, I just, those horses to me, I'm so wrong so often about that. I'd rather just pass them up. I think this one makes sense. I thought my legal bet also made sense. The fact that, had that nice maiden win and then had that nice wasn't when you went on debut and then you have a, a long layoff like that it's not nice but the fact they had a four by one one and a quarter one and a half i think that my legal bet is another one that i really do want to try to get the money i am going to try to stay away from becca taylor just nervous about the odds don't really know how much i will be able to get on that one and last for me tiger queen i thought just since the, the uh, trainer change over to jack steiner one of my favorite trainers out there just slowly and steadily had the win last night in the, in the claiming ranks, but the last two races in the allowance level, I think the one three back fits really well with this group. Let's move on to race. Number all make sense. Let's move on to race number 10 from Santa Anita. We're going back on the grass going one and one eighth miles. And for me in this optional 50 and one X, I, I think overall, Constitutional affair, number four for Mark Glatt. I've always known Mark Glatt as being that guy who was that dirt sprint guy, but this horse here, I just, where that race came from last time out, and then they have a 46 and four bullet right after. I think this one is just ready to fire on all cylinders. And I think the only other one I really need in this would be Carmelia's Man, another one that has just been consistent in this type of level, but has been at this level for quite a while, whether it's a state bred 20X or the 50X. So for me, it's the nine as a B, and I'm going to use the four as my A. 
Sounds great to me. I, I do respect a lot from Mark Glatt. I, he's one of my favorite, another one of my favorite turf sprint trainers, him and uh, Mike Pipey alike. But yeah, that horse always fires. Um, I did go a big talker with Timmy Octine. Now, I might be a chalk chaser right now, but huh. this race, I'm not going to lie, it's it's been a tough race. I think it could be spread or lean. So you could just really hammer home the ones that you love mm -hmm. and hope for the best, or you could just hit the all button. Although, Every time I hit the all button, if I do, it definitely counts the favorite right in the winner's circle. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I went with Big Talker as my number one horse in this race. I did include the four as like an A as well. Mm -hmm. Beyond that, I did include Carmelita's man. And my biggest B would be Kaisan, uh, the seven horse. Richard Mandela, second time off a long layoff. Uh, I mean, class back couple of years back i'm just curious to see what this horse can do when horses come from such a big layoff like that it just really leaves a question mark in my head dropping down like can they do what they can i mean i just want to see them perform again i first time off the layoff i just exclude automatically almost especially off of two years like that and just see what happens so or year and a half maybe something like that but yeah i i really want to see what that horse can do but yeah i do agree with the majority of your picks there as well well, pretty much almost identical here. Let's try and get paid, though, in this uh, Golden Hour late pick for race number 10 from Golden Gate Fields. Now we go to the uh, the bottom of the barrel, the main claimers, six furlongs on the synth. How are, uh, how are we going to try and get these people paid here? This is the toughest one, in my opinion, because I, I think it's anybody's game. Uh, my favorite horse was the outside horse, actually, Orisa, with uh, Reed France, 30% trainer, and Armando Ayuso. Like, these with the blinkers on that nice bullet workout um this horse just had nothing but bad trips if this horse gets a half decent trip i think it can perform decently well it just we haven't been able to see that yet so that would where i'm trying to focus on trying to get that one home uh beyond that the two horse miss moab um dropping in class from the maiden uh special weight down to the maiden claiming that's always the biggest drop my favorite thing to go for and the last three times it's been listed as a long shot, but last time it got third by three quarters of a length. Mm -hmm. So you kind of have to respect that. I doubt we're going to get a price this time out, but hopefully we have a little bit of value there. Um, so between those two horses, those are my two focus horses. And then I have to include the, the five and the seven just as like a B mm -hmm. type of horse. That's yep. because I think this race is difficult. Maiden claiming races are really tough at times. And yes, you can find value there. And I always think that you should have a little more coverage in races that you're unsure of and hopefully we could get some value i i think for me and i'm definitely going to use arisa now because i kind of just said whatever apex tyler has include because for me i just all i could find was mrs moab just improving buyers i love horses that have good finishes and still for some reason just the public forgets about 15 to 1 15 to 1 33 to 1 and Maybe we don't, maybe this horse should be five to two, three to one, but we still end up getting like five or six to one. To me, that's still type of that value horse. And for me, this is what I definitely want to include. I'll include Arissa. I don't want to go too deep in this leg. Not that I haven't gone too deep in the other legs, but just keep it nice and simple. Two on the back end. And hopefully we can get a cash here in the golden hour, late pick four. But Tyler, that is not all I brought you on here for today. Let's talk tournaments. One of my favorite things. I'll still never forget to this day playing on good old derby wars back in the day uh, my first tournament had a maiden race my horse finished second but it was a big long shot 30 to one i ended up winning overall on that and just how exciting tournaments can be just overall and also help you in paramutual wagering as well 
without a doubt, tournaments are the most exciting thing. And the most exciting thing about them for me, yes, it's a lot of competition. I, I'm very competitive. I, I'm mostly competitive with myself more than anybody else. I, I like to see, you know, how my mind works. And beyond that, it's a social aspect of tournaments. I mean, I know the pandemic kind of threw us for a loop and kind of put us more online, but unfortunately, like the biggest part, I've been going to the NHC at, at helping them out for like the past five, six years now. Mm-hmm. And the social aspect of tournaments, you can't find anywhere else. You have to think about it. These guys are literally competing for the same dollar, yeah. but everyone's cheering each other on. Everybody's having a good time. Everybody's socializing. That's the beauty of the tournaments. And I'm, I'm happy to meet most of these tournament players when, when I host tournaments at either Santa Anita or Goldstream or wherever it may be. I, I think so too. Especially for the NHC for me, I do want to always try and qualify. I haven't qualified yet, but I think when you go to a Saratoga, a Del Mar, Santanita, like if you walk through a crowd of 20 people, maybe two are guys who maybe are at the NHC and the other 18 are just, you know, the novices or maybe not the advanced. At NHC, at whatever table you sit down, these people know what the heck they're talking about. Like they're ready to just kind of, you know, everyone says, you know, like, well, who's the weakest player at the NHC? You can't name a weak player at the NHC or even who the best player is at the NHC. Everyone is just so laser focused and the best part of me before for the nhc is the week before where you see the guys with 26 pps played out in their like five days before the tournaments dude it gets me so amped up for that type of tournament oh it's it's a it's an amazing experience if you haven't been it's incredible and those are the guys that are great but like you said you you try to compete and get into nhc what i always say also with live money tournaments is sometimes it's not all about competing these tournaments offer a different avenue for other players to play in um the way i do it uh delmar last year i got in both their tournaments their three thousand dollar tournament and their four thousand dollar tournament by spending not that much at all it's about creating value for the player i i played in 50 dollars tournaments on horse tourneys got mm-hmm. into larger tournaments and won that and got my way into four thousand dollar tournament that was yeah. a three thousand dollar tournament or three thousand dollar bankroll that i had to spend for the weekend like yeah. it's free money. It's a free roll. Why, why not enjoy it? But people don't see the value in the tournament. Sometimes it's just like, I, I know I'm a decent handicapper, mm-hmm. but the guys that I'm competing with are incredible and yeah. they put in all the time and all the resources. And it's just, you know, if I can make a few bucks, I'm more than happy on a free roll. Absolutely. But can I compete with them? Maybe not. But if I do, if I get in contention, that's even that's, better. Yeah. Let's talk about the one going on at Santanita. Obviously, we're going through a bunch of races with Churchill. Kind of break down what we have going for us this weekend. All right. So this weekend, uh, actually all week, we've been running $40 feeder tournaments mm-hmm. into our our qualifying tournament, which is tomorrow. We have a, a $300, $300 tournament that qualifies you into our $3,000 one on Saturday. So what the $300 one is formatted like, it goes – one for every 30 entries that we get gets you an entry into our $3,000 Kentucky Derby challenge on this Saturday. And the format of that is pretty simple. It's you get to pick five races in the card and you pick a horse in each of those five races. Obviously you're trying to find the best value and you put a $20 win place bet on each one of those five horses, trying to accumulate the highest balance at the end. And like I said, it's proportionate. So however many players we get one for every 30, we'll get a seat into the, big tournament on saturday and saturday it's the kentucky derby come on everybody's playing it everybody's competing like 
with their friends. Maybe they're having derby parties competing who picks the winner the most or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. But we're doing a $3,000 tournament. I didn't see any tournaments anywhere else. So I figured why not take advantage and just go for it full steam ahead. And this one's more live money. Win, place, show, exacta, trifectas, doubles, uh, $2,000 bankroll. Mm-hmm. And this one is full of prizes. We have BCBC prizes, NHC prizes, Pegasus World Cup, betting challenge prizes, and also cash. I mean, let's face it, people are playing a lot of money on Kentucky Derby anyway. Might as well compete and try to make it a little bit more than what you hit. What uh, what races? Obviously, Kentucky Derby is just overall for that entire day, mostly at Churchill. Yes, it's all it's all Churchill races. Well, I shouldn't say all Churchill races. Let me say races one through twelve. So all the races leading up to the Kentucky Derby. We exclude the last two races, of course, because we just want to end it on the big note on the mm-hmm. Derby Day. Um, also, there's a minimum, so you have to bet five races, at least two hundred dollars each, to qualify to win prizes, and of course the entire bankroll. So that would be a thousand. So we have a feeder tomorrow, I believe, on horse tourneys as well. We have a feeder on Express Bet where you can play online. That's the win feeder. So we have feeders all over the place. We've been feeding into this for, um, I'd say, at least three or four weeks now. Like, if anyone who ever wants to compete in our tournaments, like I said, I, I feed into tournaments, obviously not ones that I mm-hmm. host. Yeah. But if people ever want to feed in, we always do something on horse tourneys. We're always having new feeders, either $40, $80, whatever it may be on Express Bet. So definitely check out expressbet.com forward slash tournaments. And they usually have a whole list there or the Santa Anita website or reach out to me on at wagering Tyler on Twitter. I'll be happy to answer any questions you might have. Before I let you go, obviously yeah. got to ask you big race on Saturday. What, uh, what are we going for here? So I was on ABR with Dan and he asked me to pick the Providencia and the Santa Anita Derby. And lucky for me, I love Cairo Memories. That was my number one horse of the day. And Tyba. So um, I'm just following it all the way through. I haven't done much handicapping yet on the Kentucky Derby. But obviously, I want to cheer on the San Diego horse, one and two. I mean, at that morning line, 12 to one, I doubt we're going to get that. But you're not, get some- you're not the first one to tell me about 12 to one. I mean, at this rate, this horse is supposed to be two to one going to the gate, it seems. I mean, yeah. And even at two to one, I... Maybe go for it. Maybe I'll try to get a bomber to come second. In big fields like this where the money is spread out all over and it's more of a social event than it is a handicapping event, I like to have a little bit of fun and key a horse on top with all in an exact and hope for a bomber to come second, if the value's there, of course. If I get four to one on that horse and I, I do that, I think you can get a couple hundred bucks or something back on a nice exacta. For for me, and this is the bad part, I, I've just been stuck on Epicenter since that, since that really, really good race. And I just – I can't right. get away – and I'm hoping that with a little bit more time and practice and just being able to look over the card a little bit more, I can find something to really, you know, dig in underneath. And like you said, play that solid, you know, one, two exact and just really make as much bang for my buck as possible. But I do want to thank you, my special guest, Tyler Foster, for coming on talking the Golden Hour Late Pick 4 and all about the tournaments and giving us a little Kentucky Derby preview. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you, Spencer. Thank you for having me. And now I'd like to thank all of my special guests for coming on this week's In the Money Players podcast, Jessica Paquette, John Pinder, Matt Magic Calloward, and Tyler Fosto. This show has been a production of In the Money Media. In the Money Media's president is Pierre Thomas Fornichale. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchin. And our In the Money Media business manager is Drew Cotney. I'm Spencer Luganbuehl, and we will see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>